Welcome to WBBL Review. I am joined by Ben Stanley of the Leicester Riders now. How are you? Good, thank you, mate. Thank you for having me on. Uh, anytime, anytime. Uh, obviously, big news in the summer. You're joining Leicester Riders. Uh, how, how, initially, how do you feel about about it all? Big change. I, obviously, very excited. Um, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little nervous. You know, it's a, it's a different league for me. It's somewhere I've not been before. Um, know a lot about the riders program, obviously having been in Nottingham for many years and, uh, you know, they're just over the road from us. So it's, it's something that I would be aware of. Um, I've been involved with the WL as an assistant coach before, but you know, it is a big change for me. So it's exciting, but it's nerve wracking as well a little bit. So obviously I, I like to do these interviews. So we get to know the players and the coaches a little bit more off court, as well as, uh, kind of thought of on court things. Um, so I want to start with, where were you born? I was born in Broke Park Hospital in Wallasey, which is near Birkenhead on the Wirral. Okay. Um, I don't have the accent because my mum's from down south and clipped me around the head every time I spoke with it in the house. So uh, <laughs> kind of lost that a little bit. I was going to say there's not even a hint of it, is there? No, not at all. Unless I'm around the Scousers for a prolonged period of time, you can't hear it at all now. When did basketball become a thing in your life? Um, I think it was second to last year of primary school, I think I got into it. Um, some kids playing on the playground at school, enjoyed it, went off and did some local camps, um, some stuff related to Chester Jets, community stuff they were doing. Um, joined a local club and then got picked up by Port Panthers, which is now kind of the Cheshire Jets feeder that kind of turned into down the line um yeah just just loved it wasn't very good at any other sports kind of got, got into it because i was bigger than everybody else and, and was good at it by virtue of being bigger than everyone else <laughs> um i was very fortunate to wrap around some some very good people in basketball some people that you know are still going the obvious one is probably mark stool who i've known since i was about 13 years old um and yeah, just just loved it and fell in love with it and kept going from there. Really, like Mark certainly has the accent, by the way. <laughs> he definitely does. Yes. And <laughs> um, so you started started obviously just at the end of primary school. Was that just you and and some friends playing with the bo- uh, basketball? Was that something that was led by school, or ha- was it was it a big thing in your school? No, not at all. Um, one of the lads just brought a. Uh, ball to school and we were playing on netball hoops in the playground mm-hmm. um i think i got i think if i'm honest i think i got into an argument about one of the rules and he was right and i was wrong in hindsight but i got so frustrated by this argument that i went off to a camp and started doing you know summer camps half term camps all that kind of stuff um and then got onto uh, a cheshire jets camp that mike burton used to run and that was kind of really where i fell in love with it at that camp you mentioned obviously being a part of Nottingham. That was obviously quite a long, a long time in your career. So when did the Nottingham connection start? So I was down in Solon with my partner and she got a job up in the East Mids. So we moved up there um, and I was just looking for something to do. Didn't have a job at the time. We moved for her work. So I was sort of sticking my nose in at Nottingham Academy where Phil Waghorn ran things at the time. Obviously, the Wildcats now run that. I um, was very lucky that Bev Guyman gave me a, a recommendation to Pauline Pryor, 
um, to the Wildcats brought me in. I did coach for them for a couple of years. Um, assisted Dave Greenaway at WBBL. Um, coached their under-18s. We made it to the, to the national final that year. Very proud of that group. I think they overachieved. Um, and then kind of moved over to the men's side because I was still trying to play. And it was a lot easier for me to play and coach the boys at the same time. Um, so I played for Hoods for more years than I'd probably like to think. Um, coached at the academy, coached, coached some of their junior sides, and then decided that I wanted to take a break. And I, I actually said I was done and that I was retiring. And Lee English at Hoods, bless him, messaged me every month for three years and said, how are you doing? Are you okay? Want to come back yet? And eventually I, I, I kind of broke and came back and coached Hoods for three years. Years. So, when did coaching become a thing to you? Like, was it was it something you were always interested in? Talk us through your your thoughts on your starting in coaching. It was. It was. I don't know if I'd say I was always interested in it. Part of the my mum's from a vocational background. She's a dance teacher and is again now a dance teacher. And mum's attitude was, "I will get you wherever you need to go. I will support you however you need to be supported. But you will get every qualification that is available." Mm-hmm. Um, so back then you could do things like level one referees and coaching at 12, 13. I think I did my level one ref at 14. Um, I started coaching sort of give back sessions with the minis at 13, I think, um, at the first club I started at. So it's kind of always been something. Um, I did community sessions when I was at college at East Durham with, with Bob Martin and Brian Calder and Craig Lynch. We did the Friday night community give back sessions. Um, I've just kind of always done it. It's always been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm honest, my my capacity for coaching is probably a lot higher than my athletic ability ever was. So, you know, it's, it's just kind of always been there. And I enjoy it. I really love I've learned to love the building the relationship that you get more than the basketball side of it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you had your time in Nottingham, then you semi-retired for a little bit, and then back in Nottingham. Uh, was Solon straight after that? Yeah, so Solon obviously had a big change of direction. Um, and as I say, I've been part of that programme and coached junior teams there for three or four years. Um, consider Matt Guyman to be a very close friend of mine. I've known Matt Bishop, who's the chairman of the club for a very long time, James Matthews. Um, so they they put the job out and I kind of applied for it, not really thinking too much of it. Um, my partner applied for a job. Head office is in Southampton and she applied for a new job in that same company at the same time. We kind of joked, oh, we, there's no way we're both going to go back to Southampton at the same time. And then lo and behold, um, so, you know, went down there. We are supposed to be doing the men, which obviously I did, but the, the women's team had, had a bit of an issue around not having a coach at that point in time. I said, give it to me. I've, I've always coached men and women. I, I, I genuinely don't know which I enjoy more. Mm. Um, two very different challenges, I think. Um, and, yeah, you know, it was a great season, obviously, with the women especially. We, we won the league, won the playoffs. Um just really enjoyed the whole year. It was a lot of work. I think I've said it previously. I think I coached 67 games last season, um, which is a, you know, a fair old chunk. Um, It was great. Really enjoyed the year. Really, really couldn't have been any happier with it. 
67 games that is a, a large chunk of the year gone just playing as, as well as all the training things that come alongside how did you manage to to kind of juggle that commitment I <laughs> I didn't have much of a life until about Christmas to be honest with you um it was pretty solidly I you know to do something like that with the scouting that's involved in the prep it's an easy 60-hour weeks, and I think most coaches probably at, at this level or, or high levels do 60-hour weeks anyway. Um, uh, and up until Christmas, I was just full in. I was committed, and I think actually the Christmas break probably kind of hurt me because it made me remember that there are other options than than just coaching. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was just – just I, I just really enjoy what I do, to be honest with you. I love being on court. I love scouting. I love watching video. Um, I I wouldn't say I'm in love with the planning, but I recognise the value in it. Um, so you know you do what you have to do to get a good product out there. And then the Leicester the Leicester rules come about. How how did you first find out that that was a possibility? Uh, talk us through that move. Um, well, so obviously there were some some issues with Southampton with Solon yeah, on the club's control. I told the club, look, I, I'm going to have to start looking for stuff. Um, and I'd actually given up. I'd got I got an email the night before to tell me I hadn't got one of the jobs I'd gone for. And I kind of said to I said to my partner, I said, "Look, I'm I'm done. We'll, we'll see what's all come up with. We trust them. They're good." I got a text message the next morning from a, a very good friend of mine who I won't name and said, "I've contacted Riders and told them that you're available." Nice. I sort of joked with him and said, "No, nah, there's no way." And a couple of hours later, I got a phone call. Um, and then from there, it was pretty much a whirlwind, to be honest. I think they offered me the job the next day. I made the decision on the Monday, um, having spoken to Sol, and, and yeah, there we go. It was, it was kind of done. So yeah, literally in the space of 24 hours, went from I'm not looking anymore to, oh, I, I'm going back to the East Midlands and I'm going to coach a WBBL team. Yeah, and I guess the whirlwind word you've used there is probably about right. So you obviously Southampton, Leicester are... Pretty pretty far apart. Um, how how are you managing the move? Uh, I mean, I'm up here now. Um, I I moved uh, end of the first week of August. Um, ran, ran the riders uh, all star camp. Helped to run that rather. Um, so I, I'm kind of here. I'm kind of embedded. But uh, just logistically, it's been a little bit tough. We just bought a flat in Southampton three weeks before I took the job offer. So <laughs> figuring out that kind of stuff is going to take a little bit longer. We're not quite there yet. My partner, fortunately, has quite a flexible job. She can work from anywhere. So she's kind of splitting her time a little bit, which is nice because, you know, it's we've been together for 16 years now. It's a bigger part of my life than basketball, probably the only thing that is bigger than basketball. So. Mm. Um, a part of the press release was the fact it was a three-year deal. How important is that to have that stability for a, for a short while yeah it's it's huge it's just not something you get very often in british basketball oh. um it, yeah it's not something you get at all and you know this will be my third club in three years now mm. um so for me it's it's a massive thing to know that, that there's support there that not that the club wants me because i think all of the clubs i've been at in the last four years have wanted me I think that's that's been very obvious from the way that they've treated me. But the fact that the riders have the sustainability to support me for that three years, I think, is huge for me.
So the role, obviously, um, is the WBBL, but as well as uh, the books, uh, the university yeah. competition. Um, obviously, it was it 67 games last season? I, I don't think that should be a problem, no. I, I have. I, I mean, I think I said this in my, in my conversations before I took the job, but I have no kind of worries about my ability to do the, the amount of work. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not going to be a problem, I don't think. I think... The challenges at Leicester and at Loughborough are uh, really exciting new challenges, working with a bigger team, um, more support staff, established assistants. Um, you know, we, we had a staff meeting today and there's nine or ten of us in the room. Uh, I, that's not an experience I've had before, having to manage a team like that. I'm very yeah. excited by that. So obviously Loughborough are reigning champions. Do you feel a bit of pressure coming in? Oh, Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel any pressure. Um, it's good pressure, you know, it's very positive pressure. And I, I think we'll, we'll have a squad that is certainly capable of competing for that final, hopefully. Um, in terms of, but I think, you know, there's other, there's other universities out there that are certainly going to up their game this season. So it's going to present a different level of the league and a different challenge, which is fantastic. Um, but, you know, I, I sincerely hope that we've put together something that is highly competitive in that league, yeah. And did I read right, you used to play for Loughborough's rivals? I mean, how, how's that going to work? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is right at the end. Brunel and Loughborough used to have a, a big rivalry, and I came into Brunel just as that was kind of petering out. Um, it was still very ingrained with us that Loughborough were, <laughs> were our rivals, Um there were a number of songs directly re- uh, targeting Loughborough that I will not be singing anymore. Um, but it is weird. It does feel weird to, to be coaching in the purple. I'm going to have to try and adjust to that a little bit. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, it's a fantastic university. It's a fantastic pedigree. Um, I already had meetings with the, some of the Loughborough staff, some of the other sports coaches, and kind of blown away by the level of support that's available at the university as well. So I'm, I, again, very, very excited and very happy to be here. So how does recruitment look like for you then? Are you are you the, the main part in that? Um, obviously, you haven't been in for that length of time. So was some of the recruitment done before? Huh? Like how does that all work? So, I, I mean, this will be the third year where I've had some kind of major task with recruitment um, in a row. So for me, I'm kind of used to this. Um, Recruitment certainly started before I was announced, let's put it that way. Um, And it's just, I mean, I I probably live on American time for about two weeks. Um, I'm very, very lucky. And I I have to say, Krumash had already begun a very good recruiting process. Um, some of the players we've announced, the initial conversations were started by Krumash, and I can only mm-hmm. thank him for the way he's handed over. Um, but then the other players, it is just kind of a, it, it's a relentless slog of calling contacts, calling agents, um, going through list upon list upon list of players from America, Australia, um, Europe. You know, we, we've kind of been through everything and you know, you, you always get some full starts and things that don't work out. It's not a numbers game because you're looking for quality, but you, you do have to cast a pretty wide net and see what's out there. What would you say your biggest challenge was this year then as, as coming into this new role? What are you, what are you th- going to think is a big challenge? 
I, I think I think adjusting to the league is going to be a big challenge. Um, you know, every league is different. Just because it's in the same country doesn't mean it's the same. The step up from NBL One Women's is is big. Um, for the WBBL, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. It's it's a big level change. Um, and even within the WBBL, there are levels, right, as there are in any league. Um, I think that's going to be a big thing. Um, and then it sounds weird because it's a very positive challenge, but I actually think after last year, focusing on one group is actually going to be a bit of a challenge for me. Um, is yes, it's very tough to split your focus between two teams and two two different genders, two different teams. Yeah. But at the same time, there's always something else to kind of focus on. So you're never trapped in one thing, if that makes sense. But I think actually that's going to be a big readjustment for me because I've always had the last three years, three years, I've had, you know, a women's and a men's team that I've coached. I've done both. Um, so I think actually going to just focusing on one team is probably a, a weird adjustment that I'm going to have to make. Let's talk about the WBBL now then, just as a whole. Obviously, you're coming in from a, a little bit outside, but what what's your opinion on the league and, and the direction that it's going? I think it's going in a great direction. Um, a, bit, a big part of me accepting the role is, is the fact that I, I like what the league is doing. I like where it's going. Um you know, there's obviously some major drivers there in terms of uh, what Lions and Caledonia now are doing with Europe um, and with the strength of the groups that they can put together. Um, and I think we'd be lying if we said there wasn't a, a driver financially there, obviously, as well. They're putting uh, great money in. Let's, let, I want to be clear, I don't see that as a negative in any way. I think it's fantastic. Um but I think that drives the level of the league and it also drives the the level of player who is interested in the league. You know, when you can turn around and say, even if you're not on one of those teams, but hey, I'm I'm going to compete against Euro Cup girls. I'm going to compete against girls who play in the Euro League or girls who have played in the Euro League or girls who played in the WNBA. Mm. I think that attracts more talent to the league all around. Um, and we have some big bonuses over here in terms of certainly recruiting in certain countries like America and Australia because we're an English-speaking country. Um, culturally, there's no real massive adjustment and it makes it a lot easier for certain girls to come here. Um, but when you combine those things, I think, you know, the level of the league is going to raise. And one thing we've said, you know, we're, we're kind of quietly confident that we've put together a competitive team. At the same time, you can kind of see around the league and announcements are starting to come out. Everybody else looks like they're raising their level as well. Um, so, you know, it's going to be really interesting this year. I'm really, I, I kind of just want all the rosters out so I can look yeah. at it and go, you know, okay, what well, this is it. What are we up against? So yeah. it's going to be really exciting once those rosters are out and, and everybody can kind of see what's there. I think there's so much unknown this, this year that there's the roster seems to be completely different to last year. Um, a lot of players moving on to different countries or new players coming in. Um, yeah, I think it's just the unknown. I think that's quite exciting in itself. Yeah, 100%. We we were talking about this today. So I asked, obviously, Tor, is, who was at Oakland last year, is my assistant yeah. this year in our, our NBL1. I was two coach. And I said to him, who's who's going to run the same stuff that, that they have in previous years? And he went, he's changed so much, Ben. I don't mm -hmm. know. You know, so you, you can't even go back and look at past footage from the last couple of seasons and say, well, they'll definitely run that this year. Because like you say, there's, there's so much unknown, So which is exciting. 
Right, I've got some questions from uh, different fans. Um, let's start with what major things did you learn uh, last year that you might implement this year with so last year at Solent that you might implement with Leicester? Uh, that's a really good question, and I don't know how much I want to give away. Um, <laughs> that's fair enough. <laughs> I know I, I will probably uh, I will change the way I structure things a little bit to actually give um, break things down a little more than I have the last couple of years because I've been uh, very much five on five in terms of practice sessions the last couple of years, um, both men's and women. And I will also probably um, give the girls a bit more of a break than I've given players because a lot of my stuff is scrimmage-based or condition condition games. Actually, that wears players down a lot quicker than you realise it does. So that's probably something I would change without giving anything too tactical away. Um, Okay, what do you think the best way to deal with losing is? Oh, wow. Figure out what you're doing wrong, dress it, move on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I can't say it any any simpler than that. Yes, you need to look at where the problems are. You need to analyse. You need to improve. You can't internalise losing. You know, there's a, we we talk about our oh, teams haven't. They just don't know how to win. You know, teams will get close and then drop it because they've lost all their previous games. Um, or teams that just they just know how to win. They just that, that is a kind of a thing. And I think the more you internalize losing, the, the bigger that gets. So I, I'd say there is definitely an element of next job. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, funniest thing one of your players has done on court. <laughs> um. Oh God. Uh, I won't name the player. It'll embarrass her if she ever watches this. Her teammates will know exactly who she was. <laughs> we were in a university game and she committed four offensive fouls in one possession, of which only one was called. And each offensive foul, foul put another player on the opposition team on their backside. Well, so in the space of 10 seconds, she floored four out of five players on the other team. So that's that's probably the funniest thing I've ever seen on a basketball court. Wow. <laughs> right then, let's go for the quick fire questions. Um, just to get to know you a little bit better, of course. Um, things like, what is your favourite Netflix series? Oh, uh... Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't know if it's my favourite, but I've really been enjoying The Witcher. Um I don't know if I'll enjoy season four now, but I've been enjoying The Witcher up till now. Okay, nice one. Um, tea or coffee? Tea, always. Don't drink coffee. Can't stand it. I can't stand either of them, to be fair, but yeah, I'll give you that one. Uh, what annoys you the most? Oh, um, I don't have a good answer to that. Um Probably uh, myself because I keep losing things like keys and glasses. That will probably be the most annoying thing, which all of the players who play for me will tell you about happily. <laughs> uh, do you have a specific game day routine? Something you kind of uh, routine you follow every every time you play or coach? 
uh, as a player, as a coach, I like either on game day or the game before, I like to go and get a shave. Ideally, game day, if I have the time, if it's a home game, I like to go and get a proper Turkish shave. Um, the most relaxing thing I think I get on a regular basis, and it's one of the very few things I spend my money on, is, is a good shave. So that would probably be that. Nice. Um, oh, favourite meal? Uh, a really good burger or anything Greek. Uh, what's your highlight of your basketball career? Uh, that's another tough one. Um, oh, yeah, probably last year. Probably winning the winning the playoffs with the girls last year was was a big thing. Um, it's not always about winning, but for that group, and mm -hmm. um, considering we had zero expectations when we took them on, I, th I think that's probably the biggest highlight because we went from. From them not having a coach to winning the league, I think that's probably the biggest highlight. Um, what is the thing you are most scared of? Wasps. I'm phobic of them. Anything with a stinger that's yellow, I will run away. You've now, I, I will run away like a five-year-old screaming. I can't. You, stand you meant to stand really still. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. I can't be. I can't be in the room or within two feet of or anything that buzzes and has a stinger. I am terrified. Fair enough. Um. What's the one thing that's the top of your bucket list? Oh, God. Um, probably, so cliche for a coach, but probably to go to an NBA Finals Game 7. Um, that, that You know, that's a childhood dream, so that would probably be up there you know, to, to be able to do that. To go to a really competitive Game 7 NBA mm -hmm. Finals, that would probably be it. Um, so, are, are you a, a, a like an avid basketball watcher? Do you follow specific teams in NBA, WNBA, different leagues around the world? I, w I was very, very avid with the Spurs when I was growing up. Um, Tim Duncan was one of my favourite players. Um, I'm not so avid anymore because you don't have time. Very hard to. <laughs> you don't have time. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, last year I really didn't. Last year I really didn't. Um, it's also kind of hard to watch it for enjoyment because it's your job. So anytime mm. you're watching something, you're trying to, oh, what was that? Let me rewind that and see what they oh, did. Oh, well, I missed it. You know, oh, yeah. um, I have been to the Euro League Final Fours the last two years, um, which is a, a really good opportunity for me to just be a fan um, to the men's Euro League Final Fours. And they were both great experiences. I'm, I'm pretty much trying to go every year if my schedule allows. Um. So did you say Tim Duncan was your favourite basketballer? Is that of uh, all time? Yeah, probably. I mean, my, Michael's the best, but I think mm -hmm. Tim was probably my favourite, yeah. Well, I don't know what that says about me. but uh, What is your main strength as a coach? Um, I think building relationships. I think when I was younger, I thought it was technical and tactical and, and all these things a coach is supposed to be, but I think, I hope it, it's building relationships and that players would think that as well. Um, that's something I, I, I hope I can hang my hat on a little bit um, and continue to get better at. I know you talked about, um, again, in that press release from the, for the riders, you talked about wanting to fill the arena, uh, get more fans in. What message would you give to the, the riders fans to, to make sure they come and attend your games? 
I mean, firstly, please come and watch. Um, and secondly, we think we're going to put on a, a really fantastic product of basketball for you. Um, some really high IQ, hopefully fast-paced, unselfish basketball. Um, and it's going to be a fantastic environment. And if we can get down and, and show the ladies that really support them, it's going to be huge because we have some really fantastic role models for young people on this team. Um, I'm really excited by the kind of people that we've recruited uh, and that we've retained. Um, I just think they're going to be fantastic role models for, for both young girls and boys. And, and the more people we can get in that arena, the more we can spread that message of what basketball is and what basketball gives you. Sounds good. I've got one more question before I ask that one. I just want to say a huge thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to, to getting to know you and, and your philosophy on basketball. Um, so, yeah, good luck with the season. Appreciate it. Thank and you for I can't, Yeah, I can't wait to come down and visit at some point. I'm not sure when, but at some point in the season, hopefully. But That'll last be question. Uh, finish this sentence. I love basketball because... Because it is so dynamic, it's so driven by the people on the court because there are so few of them and how they work together is the most important thing. Nice. What a way to finish again. Thank you so much uh, and good luck with the season. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you.